0: Welcome back, everyone. My name is Sam. And I'm Melissa. I grew up in the FLDS community. It is a polygamous group run by Warren Jeffs, and I moved out when I was 18 years old.
1: I was raised LDS. Sam and I have been married for nine years and have two awesome kiddos.
0: (laughs) Yes, we do. We want to quickly thank our donors and our YouTube members. We really do appreciate your love and support.
1: Yes, we do. Today, we are back at it with Sam and Mike King from Profiling Evil when they went and toured Hilldale and are stopping and having memories at all these different important sites. And today, I'm excited to not only see this live footage, but also get your reaction in real time as far as what it was like to revisit the city hall where Dan worked.
0: Yes, we apologize for some of the wind noise in the mics when I was there with Mike King. It was a stormy, windy day, so we apologize for that. For that, but if there are moments that I say something or Mike says something that we don't feel is clear enough, we'll try to talk about what that was exactly and uh yeah this is gonna be interesting though i had a i had a good time visiting with mike king from profiling evil this is in front of the city hall where my father worked for the whole time i was living in colorado or hilldale and so this was it's a lot of memories around this area right here
2: Everyone, welcome back, Sam here with Growing Up in Polygamy. And like with Profiling Evil, it has been a blast so far to be with you. Thank you, thank you. Right now we're standing in front of the iconic town hall
0: here in Hilldale, Utah, where my father actually spent a lot of his time
2: as I was growing up out here because he was the mayor of the city. Yeah, you know, uh, I I can't think of how many times I sat at the long table with your dad and many of the other leaders in this community talking about how to get programs to protect children into the community. I was working uh, in the attorney general's office for Jan Graham, who was the attorney general at the time, and we had a program called Safe at Home. Uh And the idea of the program is we brought it into into the polygamous communities was to uh, tell and teach children that there was a place that they could re- report abuses safely, which uh, again, think about that. Yeah, how,
0: how were you received? Well, <laughs> that the, your, your
2: father and many other leaders were always very kind, but it was always very clear that we were going to make uh microscopic progress in this community. I can imagine. I mean, thinking back on
0: how I felt about outsiders and especially outside law enforcement, I wouldn't have ever dreamt of going and trying to talk with someone from the outside world if I needed help. So I I was never in a position that I felt that I needed to escape necessarily. So maybe it was different for me. But uh, I can imagine you didn't get a lot
2: of people reaching out. No, no, no. And
1: Okay. so. I'm just thinking, like, if someone comes into your community and they're like, we want to teach your children about, you know, what abuse is and let them know that they can tell us, like, that is such a big slap in the face. Like, that basically is saying, we assume, we might not have knowledge, but we assume that you guys are harming your children. Mm -hmm. And so we're coming in with this program. So no matter how good of a place it's coming from, and possibly in in the case of colorado city hilldale like it might have even been necessary right like there was abuses happening but as a leader like your father where there weren't abuses in your family Mm -hmm. i can imagine how hard it would be to like stay calm if somebody's coming to you and saying we pretty much know that there's abuse happen happening
0: yeah honestly or at least from my perspective and kind of the idea that i got around the community is we weren't even surprised you really? know we weren't even surprised it was a it was the outside world trying to come in and find any excuse possible to insert themselves into our business and our church and our belief and in some way or another offer things that seem like they're going to help us out but ultimately to take over to you know have control over us take children. To, to insert themselves so they can kind of see what's going on and, and claim that it's evil and things like that but from someone with within the inside, when I was a young boy out there, I, of course, didn't think there was anything going wrong within the FLDS. Mm -hmm. So it was just, oh, the outside world, law enforcement trying to come in and take over again. Here they go. It wasn't even really a big surprise. But like you said, they weren't very well received, of course. And my... My father would, I think I actually talked to Mike about this a little bit, but my father would talk about these experiences that he would have with outsiders sometimes, not in great detail, but let's see what I say here, and then if I can expand on that. But let's just say it, it was uh, always kind of a thorn in his side when people like Mike King, <laughs> King would come out and, uh, and try to talk about what's going on within the church.
1: Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the Do you remember having any government officials like talk to you as a child about what abuse meant because that's what the purpose of these programs were, right? But like were they doing it in the schools? Mm. But there weren't schools, most of you were homeschooled. So right. how are they going about trying to even reach the children and were you ever reached?
0: Yeah, so so now that I'm on the outside, I can kind of understand what Mike was trying to do is just even if no one even if no one was there willing to accept their help, the idea was to get people at least aware that hey if you feel that you're stuck or trapped in a situation mm-hmm. there is a way to get out there there are people you can reach out to for help right yeah but to your point for us within it it was just kind of a how dare you say that we need your help oh evil government in our mm-hmm. mind right that's what we were thinking and so anyway yeah, I think that it was a very much it was a with good intentions, I would say. Yeah. Especially for, from Mike's point of view, it was with good intentions, but like he said, no one was willing to reach out or trust them because we were all taught that outside government in most cases was not our friend and yeah. that they were against us, so they were an enemy to God. So I think that from my family's perspective, because my father was in law enforcement—well, he was the mayor, not law enforcement. He was in, uh, the mayor of the city. He dealt with a lot of law enforcement and outside people, other government officials from you know, Utah and things. He would sometimes have to go up to Utah or northern Utah, Salt Lake area, and to have meetings with other government officials. So I think his perspective on government was less harsh than some of the other families because he was constantly— you know, he was seeing. I think that there were good people in government that maybe just didn't agree with his views on religion and all that. But he, at least, I don't remember him specifically saying to me, "All government officials are evil, wicked people." That was that was an idea throughout the community, but not necessarily straight from him.
1: Yeah, and kind of going back to like, did you experience? Oh, any yes. government officials um coming to you or how did they administer that how did they get this to the children and did you get that information from the government personally
0: i never got it i never received it i don't think anyone did except for the people that mike king was talking to i don't think it i I don't think it went beyond that i think at that point it was swept under the rug okay great good good idea mike but no (laughs) you know i think that was the flds view on that was let's not even not even talk about this with anyone else i never heard it i was trained that if law enforcement or anyone from the outside wanted to this was talked about a lot if someone comes up to you and tries to video you starts asking you questions you either say i don't know you run away you get out of the situation you do not talk to outsiders that was what i was told
1: stranger danger stranger danger exactly even more if they're law enforcement Mm mm-hmm
2: Frankly, one of the things that we learned through that experience and that I've learned throughout my career is that in these kinds of settings where there's coercive mind control, in some cases, and I suspect in this case, talking to law enforcement would be a violation, not only of ethical things, but religious things, because you're talking to the enemy, and in many cases, someone who probably is more aligned with Lucifer, the government, than uh, with the prophet. Warren Jeffs or Ruin Jeffs. That is true.
0: And my, you know, we were actually taught to not talk to people. I actually, I planned in my head how I would say it if someone confronted me, because I knew that I couldn't say anything. I was taught to not talk to the outsiders. If they confronted me and tried to video me, I was told that they would try to trip me up, try to try to force me to say something that would make the church look bad. And so we were told not to talk. You know I have to chuckle I look behind me here and see the Christmas lights and Christmas decoration on the town hall. <laughs> <laughs> now that didn't happen, did it? That, that, Christmas was never celebrated and never would have been allowed. So I have to chuckle a little bit. I hope I hope uh, my father can drive by and see that and see how that makes him <laughs> feel because you know it's it's funny. I think it was Ruland Jeffs, Warren Jeffs' father that at one point they were going down to St. George And he told his family, he said it was during Christmas time. And he said, if anyone wants to jump in and come down and see the lights of hell, let's go. Right. Oh, my goodness. So it was uh, definitely frowned upon to have any kind of Christmas decoration or lights.
2: Now, um, Sam, how many years have you been estranged from the FLDS? It's been about 15, 16 years at this point. And in that time, have you seen your parents at all or siblings? So I've seen, so I have siblings that
0: have left as well about, uh, man, getting close to about half of my siblings have moved out now. So I do have a great relationship with those that have moved out. For my siblings that are still in it and following Warren Jeffs, I have not seen them or talked to them. Uh, As far as my parents go, on very rare occasion, I'm able to uh, see or talk with my father, but other than that, I haven't seen my mother, in I can't remember how many years.
2: Oh, I'm so sorry. That's not uh, that's not right, and not what's supposed to happen.
0: It's heartbreaking because you know she means the world to me. Well, all of my both of my parents do, and all of my siblings. They mean the world to me, and uh, it's it is very very difficult and. Unfortunately, I knew what I was getting into when I chose to leave because I had seen it happen so many times when I was a part of the church. I knew that I wasn't going to be welcome back, but it was a decision I felt that I had to make, and I didn't realize how hard it was going to be on me to not be able to see my family, and especially even more so now that I have my own kids. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask. Now that I have my own kids, it's made it even that much more difficult and it's just heartbreaking.
2: You know, you talked about law enforcement in the community, of course, from the state, uh, the law enforcement folks here were still under police officer standards and training, but everyone kind of recognized that it was the church leading the police department who was out enforcing the laws. And, uh, And that created some really difficult positions too, because as an investigator, I could never rely on local law enforcement to uh, share case information or to even back me up if I needed help. I would have to reach out to the Washington County Sheriff. Oh, interesting. Would the local law enforcement, those that were a part of the church and following Warren Jeffs, would
0: they share anything with you or did they try to ignore you?
2: Personally, I never had any information shared from inside the police department here outward. But they were always, again, like your father and like many leaders, Uh they were at face value, very friendly, cordial. Let's let's team up. (laughs) We're in this together. And get out of town as soon as you can, mister. Put on a good face. (laughs) Yes, yes. You know, my father.
1: Before, sorry, just thinking about that, like, um, you know, for you guys, like being cordial, polite, that face value that he's talking about, you're like. How could we do any more than that, right? Like that's that's the epitome of what we can do. But from an outsider's perspective, that raises huge red flags. Mm. You know, when you actually can't count on law-, law enforcement in a particular area, then immediately the mind goes to corruption, hiding, deception, all of these things that are probably making Mike King and anybody else in law enforcement go oh something bad's got to be going on and so while you guys probably in the church are thinking we're being nice maybe they'll leave us alone because Mm -hmm. everything's hunky-dory and we're kind and we're cordial and all this and we're cooperating and yet to the outside, that looks like not cooperation because they can see like the two-facedness to it.
0: Right. They can see that you're saying one thing and that you're all on board and then, and then they see another. the actions are completely different, right? So that even raises bigger concerns. And that might be some of the reason why Mike King and other law enforcement people felt that there was this need to at least spread the word. Mm-hmm. that you know, there is help available if anyone's trapped in any situation because they had the idea that these people are pretty secretive. Yeah. Right. So what's going on here? Not to mention the long, long, long history of FLDS against law enforcement. You know, the two going against each other and the the raids that happened way back during the time of Leroy Johnson and and different things that have always kind of been an an issue for the outside law enforcement looking in and saying, Something is going on here, you know. Yeah,
1: a big wedge.
0: Right would come home and i'm maybe he was talking about you sometimes but sometimes he would come home and he would say man i was confronted today when in my office by so-and-so from law enforcement and they just they just kept hackling me they would not let me go i mean you can see they're trying to fight against the church and i'm just like oh boy it was frightening as a young boy to think that people are coming into our town and they're trying to destroy what we have here and that was kind of the idea, unfortunately, for us, that when you saw someone like yourself, law enforcement, coming in, we immediately thought you were here to do some kind of harm to us.
2: Yeah, yeah, and you know what? I can't blame a kid in this town for hating and pushing away. They. Uh, this, this goes back to a discussion we had earlier about the difference between a convert cult yes. and a generational cult, where from infancy you were raised in an ideology. And what kid doesn't trust their parents? Exactly, Mm -hmm. especially
0: parents that teach you so strongly and you can tell that they're so convinced of what they're teaching you, right? Uh, We didn't really have the option to believe something else. You know, you have a lot of parents out there today that say, this is my belief, but you can choose your belief. You know, it's it's up to you. That wasn't really an option. It was, this is the truth. This is what we believe. If you believe something else is wrong, you know? And so as a young boy, I said, okay, yes, sir. (laughs) (laughs)
2: <laughs> yeah, and that's what you do as a kid. Yes. Well, so uh, you know what I'd like to do? I'd like to go to Warren Jeff's office and talk a little bit about okay. that. And maybe you could help, when we're there, share what's happened to that complex and how it now is helping rather yes, than hurting. I would love to.
0: Okay, so... The just a couple of things here that I've been thinking about as we I've been watching this and looking at this city hall. We always called it the town hall when we were out there, mm-hmm. probably because we felt that we lived in a small town, not a <laughs> not big a city. city. <laughs> but it, anyway, as I was looking at it, so many memories came back to me when I was a young boy, and I would go visit. I mean, a lot of things were held at this at this place. Uh, there were performances held in the big room that was there. There, were, This is where people would come to vote. This is where a lot of things happened. A lot of people that we would see working in different offices as I would come to visit my father. Uh, sometimes we would bring him lunch. I would come along with my, with my mother and bring him lunch. A lot of different... Things that just memories flooding back. One of the memories that came to me as I was looking at this was at the in the basement, <laughs> and some of my siblings can would have the same memory. in the basement, there was a vending machine. <laughs> uh, not so much a vending machine, but just a a refrigerator. That was kind of off limits but would have all of these different candy bars and and different uh, sugary treats and things. I don't know why it was there. One of the people (laughs) there was in charge of stocking it. I don't know exactly who they were for necessarily but in my family we weren't really allowed to have a lot of sugar and candy and treats and things like that let's just say my brothers and i came up with a very intricate scheme each time we visited the town hall to in some way or another make sure we walked out without anyone seeing us (laughs) of the of the town hall with something from that refrigerator (laughs) so i don't know it wasn't that we were breaking a machine to get it I look back now and think, yeah, we were we were definitely stealing. We should not have been taking that; it didn't belong to us. But it was in a refrigerator that had a very easy door to easy open, easy access. Easy access. Anyway, that's just one. But there's so many memories in my mind as a young as a young boy. This town hall was this massive mansion that never ended. You know, I look at it now and I think that's not even that big of a building yeah. compared to other city halls you'll see in other cities. But for me, it was a huge place, this, this very interesting place that my father worked at and had the coolest job in the world. So anyway, those were just some other memories that came to my mind as I was thinking about this place and looking at the, the picture behind us of the town hall that just so many memories came back to mind
1: yes if you want to hear more of what it was like for sam to grow up in polygamy or join us for more of this tour of hilldale with mike king from profiling evil then please like and subscribe
0: yes thank you all so much for being here with us again and we look forward to talking with you soon
1: talk to y'all soon